much for tuning in today. I'm Susie Larson, and this is Live the Promise, and we are here to help you engage in a strong and active walk of faith. Really glad you tuned in. Hope you're having a really great day today. Well, I want to ask you a question just to answer in your car, in your home, but I want, and we're going to be talking about a really important topic. If you've been married any length of time, what kind of advice would you give to newlyweds or soon-to-be-married people about staying the course, uh, having not only a great marriage, but a sustainable marriage? What kind of advice would you give? Not taking calls today, but you can sure email your advice, and I'll read it on the show, Susie at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, my guests today are our good friends who join us every other week, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley of Focus on the Family, and we're delving into that topic, a great advice for those who've really gone the distance in marriage, and so excited about this conversation today. A couple quick announcements. So before we get to Dr. Greg and Aaron, uh, our ministry partner this month, um, we're spotlighting the shoe that grows. Not sure if you've heard of this ministry before. Not sure if you knew this stat either, but over 300 million children do not have shoes and countless more wear shoes that don't actually fit them. Well, the shoe that grows has created a shoe that actually grows five sizes. So this child can wear those same shoes over the course of several years. This is an amazing ministry. We're proud to spotlight them. If you want more information, you'll find it on the website at myfaithradio.com. Let me tell you about my guests. We'll get them on the show. Dr. Greg Smalley serves as Vice President of Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family. Erin serves as a Strategic Marriage Spokesperson for Focus. She's an author and speaker, as well as Greg is as well, and they together do marriage intensives and seminars. They live in Colorado Springs. They have three daughters. They have a son, and they have a son-in-law, and his name's Caleb, by the way. Uh, Taylor, Maddie, Murphy, Annie, Garrison, and Caleb. Hey, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be with you. <laughs> I see Greg was giving me the, you, the me, point. You. I'm like just staring at him, huh? <laughs> I can see it. It's great to be with you. Oh, always good to well. have you. I saw that visual yeah. instantly. I'm like, they're pointing at each other. You, me, you. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be polite. Yeah, that was good. This is live radio, Greg. I, I, yeah. I, 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 wake up. I brought him an unsweet iced tea. Perfect. Yeah. We, need, we need a cricket sound. Yes. Okay, we'll get yeah. that quickly. So, well, good to have you both. We love you so much. And you know this, you're on all the time. We love to start out by talking scripture and point to each other now so one of you can answer right away. Do you have a verse you've been thinking about these days? I'm, I'm actually raising my hand because I'm going to go first. Okay, I love it. <laughs> um, I have been studying Romans, and this one is Romans 5, 3. And it's, it talks about justified by faith and peace with God in the, the previous verses. And then it goes on to say, And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, mm. and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Mm. And I just, as I was as thinking about just what we're talking about today, just the the longevity of some of marriages 
that, you know, that as we persevere through our trials, that we're given these gifts, that we're given character and we're given hope and we're given the Holy Spirit. And and with that, we are able then to persevere and continue on in our marriage and pour out love to our spouse because mm-hmm. God gives it to us. Well, and I just I just love the thought of that. Aaron, I love how you put that. I mean, that when we persevere, we are giving gifts. I mean, that is just mm. true. And I think it's such a great way to put it because he gives us treasures in the darkness because when you're persevering, oftentimes it's, you're, you're in the dark or you're in the storm or in the valley. Mm. And to come out the other side richer for it because mm-hmm. you persevered. I mean, how many people give up in the valley or in the dark and, and they miss out on what God has for them? So, wow, mm-hmm. really, really great. How about you, Greg? Well, in light of looking at advice from long-term married couples, I was thinking about Proverbs five eighteen and 19. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. May mm. you always be captivated by her love. And if you look at some of the other translations around that word, that phrase captivated by her love, you find words like be intoxicated, be exhilarated, be ravished, be lost in, be delighted. And as I think about how I want to feel after 30, 40, 50 years of marriage, I mean, wouldn't that be amazing to be able to use words like I'm intoxicated by Erin, I'm exhilarated by her, I'm ravished. I love that one, actually. (laughs) Be delighted. You know? I mean, those are – I love how – King Solomon kind of lays that out as as an as an ideal, but but also a, a reality. He's speaking that into our marriages, and that's something that we can have. It's hard; it's not easy, but it's definitely a, a worthy goal. I want to feel captivated always by my wife. It's just beautiful. And Greg, you know, we we talk about this every time you guys come on. That ahead of time, you're the ones who tell us, you know, let's cover this topic. And I love that because I want to talk about whatever's on your heart. So talk about how this particular topic was just born for you. Yeah the the other day I was I, I just caught you know reading some news and caught that story of that that precious couple who had been married for seventy five years who perished together in the California fires. So I was just reading about that and in and in one level it just I, I got all teary eyed because the, the, the story where they found this man, this man they've been married seventy five years, so he's like a hundred. But he, he was he was trying to get down the hallway to to go after his wife. Mm. God, it chokes me up. Mm. Um and I just I, I, I love the thought of, of this man, this hundred year old man just just living out his calling to protect his oh, wife man. and was oh, desperately man. trying to get to her, knowing that if he got to her, there's probably little he could have done. But something about that that image of those two, you know, hate that they lost their lives, but there's a there's a sweet love story mm-hmm. there of, of they were together, or at least mm-hmm. he was trying to get to her. Yeah, and she was paralyzed. That's why she was sleeping wow. in the other room in a special bed, and he was trying to get to her. He was wow. 100 years old, and she was 99. Oh, my goodness. And yet at 100 years old, he was on the pursuit of his wife. Mm. And, and, I, and it made wow. me think, Susie, like we, we all get that question, right? Hey, if you could have dinner with one famous person, whatever, who would you have dinner with? And, and for me, you know, I could answer that in a lot of ways. But, but I thought, you know what? That would be a couple I'd love to have dinner with. 
I'd love just to say 75 years of marriage. Well done. How? How'd you make it? What's your secret? Just love to glean and learn and soak in the wisdom from a couple who've been married 75 years. So it got me thinking, certainly those that kind of a question has been asked to couples married for a long time, and, and the, the Internet's full of great advice. And, and so I just started just collecting, you know, as you see articles or you see just little posts and things about couples who have been married a long time. What do they say is the secret? Just started to collect those in, in this story of this, this man and woman who died together um, in the fire, 75 years of marriage, really mm-hmm. made me think, you know, yeah, what, what, what can we learn from these couples because that's who I want to emulate. Mm. And Aaron, you referenced a stat before the show that you said was so encouraging and doesn't get talked about enough. Say a word, if you would, about mm-hmm. that. You know, often, Susie, I think that we focus on, you know, the, the 50% divorce rate. Half of these marriages aren't going to make it. Well, Greg came across this research that in, I, when I read it, I went, why aren't we talking about this more? 77% of couples married. Um, reach their 10-year anniversaries. Married since 1990, reached their 10-year anniversary. That's an It was an increase from 74% from 1980, which encourages me that more couples are staying married for 10 years. And then it looked at 55% of all married couples have been married for at least 15 years. And according to the census report, that's according to the census report, while 35% have celebrated their 25th anniversary. Mm. I was blown away. I'm just in awe. 35% of these marriages that were reported in the census report reached their 25th wedding anniversary. That's amazing. Mm. That is something we need to celebrate. And as you and I were talking before the show started, if we keep parroting 50%, 50%, even though there, we're seeing some improvement on that, it's easy to just lower uh, the expectation, lower the bar, and even kind of create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, if half people aren't, half the couples aren't going to make it, mm-hmm. but you think that this number is growing, people are sticking with it. And I also think on the advice of those who've maybe quit several times, married, thinking, you know, I just didn't get the right one the first time, and they go to those friends. I've been hearing stories like this where they say, now I've got six times the baggage that I had if I would have just hung in there when it was hard mm-hmm. the first time around. Mm, and it's so true. And that's, I think what couples need more than anything is hope. Yeah. Hope that things can get better. Hope that we can learn a different way. Hope that we can be one of those couples that makes it 25, 35, 45 years. And that's what I love about that research and about these couples that we're looking at today and talking about what are they doing that's allowing them to have a lifetime, long-term marriage. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, we have to take a break here in just a moment. But before we do that, and we'll, we'll dig into this content, these points that you drew from these different articles and just your own study. But before we go to break, Greg, you referenced a study a while ago about if couples just hang in there even within five years, if they do nothing to work on their issues, which could make a world of difference, but even if they don't, they will come through that season stronger and even happier if just by virtue of hanging in there. Do you remember that study? I do. And that, that was a large study done and it's powerful because it would, it, it does provide hope. It shows that, you know, it, in the moment in a particular season, I may f- feel so helpless, so hopeless that our, this marriage is even going to make it. But, but yet if we, if we stay in it, 
if we get the help, if we start to do some things differently, there, there's always hope. One, we've got the creator of this universe who's fighting for our marriage. Mm-hmm. So he, he's he's in that as well. But so quickly, our perspectives can change. Little things may start happening differently that gives me hope. I can make some some very different choices that 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 will that will make a big difference, and it it just shows that that there's a grit from staying together when we yep. when things are tough and we and we just keep persevering. There there's there's always hope, but there's there's grit, mm-hmm. and 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 now you've got a couple who can say, boy. We, we went through such a difficult season. I didn't think we were going to make it, but we did. And, and now we have now. trust and we believe mm-hmm. that we can face whatever mm. and, and still make it together. Mm, so good. Talking to Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley of Focus on the Family. When we come back, we'll delve into some of these um, strong components of marriages that last long, that finish strong. If you want to give some advice, email me, Susie, at MyFaithRadio.com. Give me your marriage advice. would love to read it on the air. We'll be back in a minute. so much for tuning in. I love that song. Really glad you tuned in. I'm Susie Larson. This is Live the Promise. About twice a month, we have our good friends, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley from Focus on the Family. Join us on the show to talk marriage and family. Today, we're talking about secrets to long-term love for the marriages that go the distance. And Greg and Aaron did some research, just looking at different articles, asking lots of questions of those who've made it the distance and in a long-term marriage and not just, you know, surviving it, but thriving in it. And so let's go with these. Number one is shared core values and interests. Uh, Greg, why don't you go first? Yeah, when they talk about core values, what, what, what they were really were talking about is that they shared, you know, interest, a value around religion, um, common interests, sex, parenting, money, family. I mean, they were aligned um, at the core around those kinds of, of issues. Like I think about, you know, for Aaron and I, you know, one of the things that, you know, certainly that we align on is our belief in God and in, in his role in our life and how Christ is growing us and strengthening our marriage. And, and if, boy, if we didn't share that, how, how challenging that would be. You know, when someone, you know, is is a believer and someone's not, I mean, it just creates challenges. As a matter of fact, it's the only time that God really talks about premarital issues is he's saying, don't, don't be married to someone who's not, you're not equally yoked with, who's not a believer. And, and so of course that was for us a huge foundation, but we, we, you know, we align really well around our, our parenting philosophy, you know, although money, we're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we? We're actually pretty oh, we're similar. Probably, yeah, we are, Sadly. We're both spenders is what she meant to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm probably a little bit less, but. I usually you, make bigger purchases. Greg makes big purchases several in a row, and I'll make little tiny purchases continuously. <laughs> this is why you guys live around the mountains. Constant reminder, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little makes a lot. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. know, interest, there's things that, 
that uh, you know Aaron has her her own unique callings, her own unique interests, and so do I. But but there there's things that we love to do together. You know, I hate admitting this because I get so much grief. But you know, from the simplest, we we enjoy watching Hallmark movies together. We'll tape them, so we like doing that Hallmark. together. To hiking, to to teaching on marriage, mm-hmm. and so. For us, our, our, we feel at this stage in our life, our, our calling together as a couple is to do marriage ministry. And, and that's an amazing thing. And, it, it, and, and I understand why that contributes to a, a longer marriage. Okay, so let me think. I'm thinking of the person listening today who says, super happy for you guys that you're so equally yoked. But, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yippee, you can see the confetti now. But they're feeling like, you know, I, I feel like we've, been, we've settled into a mode where we run parallel paths. We really don't have much in common. I would imagine if you've been married five, seven, ten years and you feel like, I think I would already know if we had something in common and, and we don't. And maybe, Aaron, issue some hope here because there's so much more to discover. Maybe they can take a class together. I mean, ask God, give mm-hmm. us a common interest we've not even discovered yet. But don't throw in the towel as far as the idea that if you haven't discovered shared interests now, you won't. Yeah, I, I would encourage that couple just to keep trying things out. And the amazing thing is that we have so much influence over our spouse that we often don't recognize. Mm. And so if you're passionate about something, you know, I was I was telling someone today, Greg loves antique sporting goods. I don't necessarily care about antique sporting <laughs> goods, but because he likes them, I like them. Mm. I mean, I, I have an interest in them because he's so passionate about it and vice versa. He, he, you know, whatever clothing I'm into, he starts learning, you know, all about it. And maybe I shouldn't have Lula shared that. <laughs> maybe oh, wow. I shouldn't have shared Lula that is out now. loud <laughs> on radio, <laughs> but you know, just hang in there, you know, in, in, as you're excited about something, you have enormous influence and you never know, you can't guarantee it because you can't control what they like or they don't like, but you can share influence and don't give up hope. Continue trying to, to use that influence. Yeah. And Susie, I think a part of what is Aaron is, 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 is encouraging this, that, that there's sort of a guiding principle that there, there really needs to be room for both people in the marriage. That's good. Yeah. If, if we're going to align around shared core values it, it it begins with saying, you know what, there, there's there's room for both of us. There's room for Aaron's interests and my interests. So I, I think first and foremost, you start there. And you know, like she's saying, that that the things that matter to me matter to her. She's she's never is she ever going to on her own go out and shop for antiques? Probably not. No, it'd be cool. I wouldn't. <laughs> Well, I'd be I okay with that. I wouldn't know the first thing about it. I would need you yeah. there to tell me about them. Yeah. But I think if if we're really trying to develop this together, it, it, that does – pray about that. And, and just say, God, if, if it's true that you created this amazing, powerful thing in marriage called oneness, then – and you want us to use our marriage for something bigger – and to bless others, okay, if that's all true, then God reveal that. Get, show us and, and trust that, that God wants that, and he's going he's gonna to begin to bring insight around that. And it can be as simple from let's volunteer together you know, at, at church. Let's, um, let's go to the soup kitchen together and, and volunteer there, whatever. It can be anything 
that, that starts you guys doing something together as well is your individual interest. And I love that because that inspires hope and expectancy. I think one of the ways the love grows cold, one of the ways you lose that love and feeling is you quit um, trying new things. You quit having expectancy. And there's always, and it seems like even life in marriage has its seasons. There may be a season where going for a walk, like that's our thing right now. Five, six times a week, we're walking three miles with our dog, catching wow. up, talking and praying. And we love it, but we're empty nesters and this works for us. And just, I think, don't give up hope. That's my thing. Well, Tom from Fargo mm-hmm. wrote in, he says, I can't stress enough how important it is for couples who base their marriage on God to pray together daily. It doesn't matter what time of the day. He says, my wife and I pray together virtually every night. We've been married 32 years. We started praying together at night 10 years ago. Wish we'd started earlier even. Occasionally we've missed a night and it just doesn't feel right. Thanks, Tom from Fargo for mm-hmm. that. Wow, that's really great. Mm-hmm. That is, that's a good one. That's mm-hmm. That's tough to be. I mean, we've all heard the the research that couples that really consistently pray together have such a tiny, tiny divorce rate. I think it's one in twelve hundred. It's, it's it's whatever it is. I'm not good at math, so I can't mm-hmm. tell you what that is. Let's say less than one percent. Mm-hmm. But that that's powerful, and that that says a lot about when when we're praying together. I think two things are happening. One, we're submitting together to to something else to God. And I think that's powerful that 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 applies humility. God's giving his grace to the humble. So I think when Aaron and I both acknowledge that there's someone bigger than us, that that's a good thing and that's a thing that we can establish trust in one another. So I think that's a part of what it does, but I think if we're praying together, at some point I've got to ask her, "Hey, well, what can I be praying for you about?" And, and there's a way in which that on a regular basis keeps me current and updated on what matters mm-hmm. to Erin and what she's going through. And there are plenty of times that when we pray together and I ask her that, I go, what? Wait, you're doing what? I didn't know this. I mean, th- there's ways mm-hmm. that, that as much as I think I, I know Erin and know what's going on, but I'm shocked at what she's asking prayer for. And, and so I think those two things really is why this praying together makes such a difference. Well, and it draws an intimacy that is so deep when you are praying together and, you know, vulnerability and we desire connectedness. We desire to be united. And yet so often we're not doing the one thing that can bring that. And it's such a such a gift within a marriage to be able to pray together and and really know each other in that way. So I'm I'm with Greg, you know, and with the, the, the guy from Fargo you know what? Pray together. And we consistently will do that for a stint. And then some, you know, we'll be traveling, busy, whatever, and fall off doing it regularly. And we, I right here, right now say we're back on. Mm, Love that. You know, because if you have nothing else in common, that will knit Mm -hmm. your hearts together in the most intimate way. And that's where God, Mm -hmm. you know, downloads dreams. And I often tell young women who ask me about this, if your husband's not a prayer, this is what I say to these young women I'm mentoring, put your hand on his shoulder before he goes out the door. Just say, I just want to bless your day. Lord, I just bless him. I bless my husband. Thank you that he's a hard worker. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, even that's just a start to say, I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to pray for you. That's a connection point. I think that's huge. Talking to Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley today about just some secrets to long-lasting um, love. There you go. Long-lasting love. Next, we'll talk about sense of humor, the importance of a great sense of humor, and how important it is to nurture a friendship within the marriage. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute.
Yeah, I picked a bunch of upbeat songs today. Aren't they fun? Thanks for tuning in. I'm Susie Larson. This is Live the Promise. Talking to our good friends, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley from Focus on the Family. Talking about secrets to long-lasting love in marriage. And a really great conversation. We've only touched one point because we dug deep into it. It's shared core values and interests. So if you don't have even commonalities and and just hobbies and things like that. Greg and Aaron are just saying, start with prayer. Start praying together. You'll be amazed at some of the ideas that God downloads. So, okay, let's go to this next one, which I know neither of you have a problem with at all in its sense of humor. Say more if you guys would. (laughs) (laughs) Sense of humor is such a key. And of course, for our marriage, this is something that I believed has carried us. Not It's made the the sweet time sweeter and the hard times just more tolerable, more tolerable. <laughs> I didn't know how to say it, <laughs> but it, it is so important. And, you know, the cu- couples consistently that have been married 50, 60, 70 years, this is they're saying that you've got to have a great sense of humor because it does. It influences you as an individual and it influences the overall tone of your marriage. And if for Greg and I, we I mean, we we laugh a lot. We mm-hmm. laugh at work a lot. We laugh even when things are hard. Um, we will definitely uh, get a good kick out of something. <laughs> yeah, I, heard, I love that. I love that quote, Susie, that someone said. I wish it was me because I love it, but it wasn't. But the, like, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Mm, that's and, good. And, and what I like about that is that laughter creates a safe environment within the relationship. Now, not being laughed at. I'm not. I'm. I'm saying no, genuine. Definitely not. Just, you know, like just just even before the radio show, Erin's driving over. She calls me. She's like, "I've got to tell you about the strangest thing that happened to me." It, it's just those little moments throughout the day that that I'm sharing a story with Erin. She's sharing a story that we're just we we have this quick opportunity to laugh. And there's something for for me when I see Erin. Just being playful. So even if you're, you know, someone's out there going, I don't have a sense of humor. I'm just not funny. You don't have to be a comedian. I, I think if you're if you're willing to be playful, same kind of thing. And just, just joke and play jokes on each other. Erin loves to scare me. And she does that all the time. Our kids now do that. And With I'm a knife and die. a mask. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't a knife, Susie. It was oh. toddler scissors. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Blunt Look, toddler scissors. Like a knife. <laughs> Whatever it is, any, any, just playfulness, just laughter. Why? So even if you're going, we're just not that funny. So we'll record some funny shows yeah. and watch them together. There, there's ways to, to do that, and it just it draws people together. And I will say that Greg has influenced me a lot in this area because I don't know that I was super funny 25 years ago. Well, you're hilarious now. I know. <laughs> Way to go, I've Greg. influenced me. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's challenged me to, in, to laugh at myself, to laugh together, to laugh about difficult things. I mean, it's not that we don't have serious conversations. Right. But just the laughter, calling him today and going, you're not going to believe this. Mm. You know, it just is, it just helps to diffuse it and to just join together. I was going to say, there's all kinds of research to say that how um, it's important it is to your physiology to laugh. I mean, your cells open up, your organs work better. In fact, we had a pastor who gave a sermon this weekend on fun and joy and just was, and gave all the, just a list of what happens in your body, what happens in your relationships when you're somebody who engages in joy. 
And in fact, Ren Collective, if you know that group, I love them. They say, we have discovered, they said, that seriousness is not a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> Which I love that. But at the end of this sermon, it just was like, he goes, we're going to party. And they brought the worship team back up and they had people roll out giant beach balls. And then they shot Whoa. these confetti cannons and they just, we had worship and wow. giant beach balls going in church. But everybody just lit up because, you know, we, we just gravitate towards seriousness Yet the joy of the Lord needs to be our strength, and humor is a big part of that, you know? It, amen, and, and, it, and it does a wonder on your marriage, and it contributes mm. to why people stay together for so mm-hmm. long. Man, love that. Okay, nurture a friendship. Say more. You know, this is an interesting one because just as of late within the news and the media, there has been, there's an article, I believe it's out by Washington Post, that's talking about why your spouse does not need to be your best friend. And it's, you know, there's many different angles they share within this article, but regardless of you, if you are calling your spouse your best friend or not, it it doesn't really matter to me. What I will say is that the basis of your relationship was built on friendship. That's how you, you got to know each other. At some point, you were friends. And that is what will carry you over the years, especially during the difficult times that you have this basis of friendship and that carries you over the years. And so I can greatly imagine that these couples that have been married 50, 60, 70 years, that they have enjoyed and nurtured intentionally a friendship. And so I think it's key to recognize that there has to be some sort of friendship within this marriage relationship. Hmm. I like, Susie, when I think about it, I, I think of the, the advice that we need to nurture a friendship has everything to do with intentionality. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I like what Aaron's saying. It's it's not that you have to carry that moniker of this is my best friend, my spouse is my best friend. That's great. As she said, if that's true, that's true. But it, I think it's that friendship is more about life is so busy, working, kids, church, small groups, friends, extended family. I mean, there's so much coming at us that it's so easy to slip into the mindset that somehow our marriage will survive all that. We'll just kind of put it on cruise control, autopilot. It's just not true and that we have to intentionally nurture our marriage. And that may mean, you know, one way to do this, date nights. Well, you know, someone's listening going, yeah, right, with young kids, do you know how expensive it is and how hard it is to find childcare? I, we get that. Mm-hmm. But, but so figure out for you, what does intentionality look like? Maybe it's putting the kids to bed and saying, we're going to sit with, you know, hot tea and, and just talk, not about schedules and kids, but just we're just going to talk about your inner life, what's going on, whatever it is. Just be intentional. Mm-hmm. Date nights, shared interest, whatever. You just decide as a couple that, that we aren't going to just – let life go by. We're going to build a friendship intentionally by doing what in this season of life? You figure that out. Mm. So, so good. All right. You ready for the next one? Oh, yeah. Number four. Oh, yeah. He says, work <laughs> problems out as a team. I love that. What do you say? That is so key. And it just, it when you're not approaching your marriage or your your spouse as your teammate, then often what happens without you even knowing it is that you're approaching him as your enemy. And 
that is never going to get you where you want to be relationally in your marriage. And so it's it's key just to recognize that we're in this together. I've got your back. We've talked a lot about this, Susie, on the mm-hmm. show, and that we're making decisions together and that we both matter and that you're letting your spouse know that you matter to me as much as I matter to me. And so it's it's important that we're both included in this and that we're both equally important and that I'm going to fight to make sure that you're included. And that just creates such a safe environment, an environment that, you know, hearts are going to be open and that we can thrive in this. Man, I love that. I'm going to fight to make sure that you're included. Do you know how often fights are, I'm going to fight to make sure that you hear me and I get my way. But if yeah. you can remember, I'm, we're a team. Somehow, way, our end goal then is to fight, you know, so that we're both included. That's great. Greg, what do you say? It's hard to, to add anything yeah, to that, Aaron. That was well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think at the end of the day that that we have to fight and pro- for, and protect our unity because that's really a hallmark of marriage. You know, when God says the two shall become one, so often he talks about unity. And, and we've got an enemy who absolutely hates what God creates. And so God created marriage. Satan hates marriage, so he's going to destroy it. The easiest way for him to do that is to go after unity. He wants us disunified. He wants us fighting. He wants us doing our own thing. And if and if we can just recognize that there's going to be spiritual warfare and that sometimes the best thing that Aaron will say to me, like we'll start to get in an argument or we're fighting, you can feel this power struggle, and she'll look at me and go, now, you know, that I, I'm, we have an enemy and, and I'm not her. Mm. And she kind of points down like Satan that we, we need to, to, to remember that, that, that we're, we're on the same team. And, and that, that snaps me into a very different mindset. And sometimes that alone can, can help us push through and, and, and resolve something. But otherwise it's just, it's a great reminder. You know, this is, may seem off topic, but I, I don't think it is when you're thinking about working problems out as a team. We, you always hear, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's in Scripture. But there are other verses that you've talked about before that kind of create a better context for that. Because lots of marriage experts say, don't go to bed mad. But you said in all reality, if you remember this, I think it was a year ago, um, that not everybody can fight at night. And sometimes a good night's sleep is just what the doctor ordered for perspective. Do you remember us talking about that? Very much so. Yeah. The, the verse says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And, and when, when I get angry, my heart's closed. And so I really do think a, 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 another way to look at that verse is, is saying, don't let the sun go down when your heart is closed. So it says nothing about resolving anything. The verse doesn't say, don't let the sun go down in your issues, your problems. And so uh, my, my first, and, first and foremost, my job is to get my heart open. When when Aaron and I approach each other with open hearts, we're able to talk through anything. We're able to resolve most anything. It's it's that no one taught me the importance of that. Mm. So I would keep her up late at night going, we can't violate scripture. <laughs> well, it really doesn't say that. And in, in, in to your point, Susie, sometimes just rest, new perspective, allowing emotions to that. settle down. As long as what you're doing is you're being intentional say, God – you know, okay, I'm not even thinking about my marriage in this moment, Lord. I'm thinking about my heart. Help me get my heart back open. And when imagine you go to the Lord, that'll happen. I love what you just said. Because imagine even just being able to say, I know we're in the, hot, in the middle of a fight, but I can't function anymore. I'm so tired. But I'm going to fight 
for both of us to be safe in this marriage. I just need a time out. I need to sleep. That's right. so different than, I mean, I'm not a night person, so I'd lose every single fight past 10 o'clock p.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, Somehow I don't believe be, that either. But. For me, it'd be about 8.30 <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah. But, Aaron, I love you guys. I don't, I've never heard anybody else talk like that. And I just felt like, you know, it's to me, it's that's such an amazing, unique perspective because some things aren't going to be tied up in a bow. And I think you can make matters worse going two, three, four in the morning on an issue mm-hmm. that may take more time and even others' perspective in there. And it's going it, to, more than likely, there's going to be things that are said that are going to be regretted because yeah. you're exhausted. You don't have clear thinking. More than likely, your heart's closed and you, I mean, nothing good is going to come after that point. So it is worth you know, taking that time out and in that time out, getting some rest and getting the fresh perspective. Mm. I love that. And really seeking to seeking the Lord to help you get your heart open. That makes just, I mean, all the difference. Wow. So good. Okay. When we come back, we'll talk about how to develop trust and something for you two to think about during the break is how do you develop trust when you, when one, um, one of the spouses is particularly maybe jealous, insecure, without maybe reason to be so, or just maybe it's just they're wired that way. How do you develop trust in a situation that seems sort of inequitable? Talking to Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley of Focus on the Family, we're just exploring secrets to a lifetime of love and marriage. Don't go away. More when we return. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Susie Larson. This is Live the Promise, talking to our good friends, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley of Focus on the Family. This time we're talking about just exploring secrets to lifetime of love in marriage. We talked about the importance of shared core values and interests and all the way down to just praying together and developing intimacy that way, having a sense of humor, be sure, being sure to nurture a friendship with your spouse, um, working problems out as a team, as uh, Aaron said, talking about, I'm going to fight uh, for a place for you in this marriage and in the in the conversation. I was just fighting to get my way. Okay, the next one, you two, is develop trust. Erin, why don't you take this one first, if you would? Trust is a huge aspect of a marriage relationship. It's actually one of the main pillars that withstands withstands a marriage because when trust is broken then you know in many ways there's parts of the foundation that are being questioned you know what's happening and this doesn't feel safe and hearts close and i mean that really can have a a tremendous impact uh within a marriage and it's consistent amongst these couples that have been married you know 60 70 years that they recognize that trust is essential And, you know, trust in the daily living and trust when we're apart. And they consistently said that... There, there, that has to be a major component of well, it. In First Corinthians thirteen, one of the one of the components of love is love believes the best. I mean, that's an aspect of trust. It's believing the best. Greg, I set up the question before the break, but I would love for you to just speak to the issue of if there's a spouse in the in the marriage that is perpetually jealous or insecure, but doesn't really have lots of reason for it. Just maybe they're wired that way. Their mind kind of goes rogue. What do you say about how do they get to a place where they want to believe the best? Yeah, I think part of 
the trust in a marriage, I mean, there's multiple things, but, but one thing in particular is that, that when, when Aaron and I are both committed to individual growth, dealing with our issues as things come up, you know, so let's say that, that Aaron is, is struggling around jealousy and to your point, if there's, if there's, if I'm not doing anything per se that, that to cause that, I think part of the answer is that Aaron has to be willing to face that and to deal with that and to go get help. Maybe it's going and talking that through the counselor. But I think as her husband, though, that as as Aaron might have moments that that she's feeling jealous or something's going on, that I need to care more about the person than I do the issue or me getting my way. And she needs experience that I care more about her. And, and so that, that, that needs to matter to me, even though in my mind I might be going, you're crazy. I, what, what am I doing? If I get defensive, if I'm saying you're nuts, this is your problem. I, I'm not caring about her. I can, I can, I don't have to fix or solve anything, but I can allow that to matter to me. I can show up in a way that, that she's like, you know, he, he care he at least cares that I'm feeling this way and, and we're exploring this together. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always told Aaron, she, you, you've, she's got a trump card. If, if, if there's a, a opposite sex friendship or relationship at work or something that she didn't feel right about, she, she, uh, just something, I, I just, I'm, I'm troubled with this. I, I'm having an issue with this. And I'm telling you, I, I will always choose my wife over any relationship, even if it doesn't make sense to me. There's been times where she's come to me and said, this this relationship at work, ah, it's just something about it. I'm just nervous. This person gives off these vibes. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't see that. I don't, I don't agree with that. But at the end of the day, who cares? There is not another relationship on this earth. So hear me, on this earth that's more important than my wife, mm-hmm. that I'm going to, to say – I'd, I'd rather us fight and I'd rather, I'd rather fight for that other relationship. It's just not there. And if, and if, you, know, and if you can't get there, then you're never going to build trust anyway. I'm feeling like a husband's hearing this today, knowing that his wife would give anything to hear him say that I choose you because so often, you know, we're supposed to trust the Lord with all our hearts, not lean on our own understanding. And I think so often we can default to our own understanding, even with our spouses. But I think women especially have an intuitive sense about other women um, you know, and I just, that, yeah. I mean, what that communicates to Aaron to say, I don't get it. I don't see it, but I trust you. And above that, I pick you. I mean, that, mm. that to me builds trust. And so let's look at this from it, a, go ahead, Aaron, go ahead. I was going to say it does. It definitely builds trust. And, you know, I would say it would be a whole different story if I was daily, even weekly right. saying, you know, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. And so I think for the women, you know, being, very conservative as far as a concern. But if you have a concern, and I think my father-in-law always taught that a woman has a, a natural um, marriage manual built within within her. And part of that is this intuitive sense that God gave women. And again, it's got to be used for, for good and cautiously. And not overused. Because, yeah. Yes. And I often will say, you know, I could be wrong and this may not be accurate. However, this is what I'm sensing. And Greg then gets to choose, you know, what he's going to do with that. And for me to allow him to choose, 
because, you know, if it granted with a relationship with the opposite sex, I so appreciate that he's always shown up consistently saying, you know what, I will just follow that because I'd rather be cautious than sorry. Mm. And in really it has it has meant the world to me. It has I, built a real trust and safety. And I do want to accept her influence, but also I, I want to still say it healthy marriages involve two healthy individuals. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're really struggling through some some jealousy, uh, also re- go go deal with that. Mm-hmm. That could be something just between you and the Lord. It could be just, hey, honey, let's talk this through. I just need to talk some things through. Or you're going in to a counselor. That's okay. We all mm-hmm. have issues. Mm-hmm. But what I love is that in a marriage that trust is the, the bedrock, that, you, that trust is there as part of the bedrock, that... It is that each of us are fighting for each other's health, for our emotional health. Mm-hmm. And there's something so amazing about that, knowing that Greg is for me and that he's going to, if there's an issue, he's going to fight for me to get better. And that even when I'm weak and when I don't feel like I have it in me or the courage to face whatever it is, I have a, a life partner with me that's going, you know what? We can do this. We're going to get that's through this. It's worth everything. You know, we just got about two, three minutes before it's time to pray, but I feel like I need to dig into this aspect of trust as well. I was at a conference this uh, past weekend. Lisa Turkhurst was there, and one thing she said from the stage was, trust is built over time by consistent, believable behavior. I thought that was really good. And I'm thinking of all the misses. Maybe there is a spouse who's constantly says, yeah, we can do the date. And then they don't. Yeah, I'll pick up the groceries. And then they don't. And there's consistent, inconsistent behavior. So it is hard to trust. In fact, it's hard not to have a grudge. I mean, trust matters so much. But if there's consistent, inconsistent behavior, what's the person to do? Uh, if if there's inconsistent behavior, um you know, one, I, it, you, you have to keep um, talking that through and, and sharing that. I think one of the best questions that we can ever ask each other and, and, and honestly, genuinely really listen to the answer is for me to say, Aaron, um, how safe do you feel in our marriage? And then the follow-up is, what what are some things that I can really focus on that helps you to feel safe? I want our marriage to be the safest place on earth. And so we we need to be able to to talk about these things. Now, at the end of the day, I can't control Aaron's behavior. So if she's not showing up with consistent, believable behavior, then then at some point I, I have to continue to be praying and praying and releasing that, God, this is your daughter. You continue to do work in her. I can, that's not my job to do that. But it is my responsibility to find my ultimate safety and comfort and trust in the Lord, but also be honest with her and saying, this is really hard. It's hard to trust you when these things continue to happen. Can we go get help? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think those are the kinds of options, but at the end of the day, I need to feel safe with my relationship with God. That's got to be the bedrock. And then I've got to be committed to praying for my spouse in, in her blind spots and and then we need to be open and honest with each other. I think if we can do that, it it, it helps in those moments. Mm-hmm. And I would say too that we are married to human beings that have a sin nature, and that we're not always going to be, you know, absolutely perfection in you know and trustworthy. 
And so in those times when we're not, you know, how do we walk forward and handle that? And I love what Greg is saying, that we we confront it, that we recognize that we're married to a fallible person and that our ultimate trust is in the Lord and that the Lord, and as we're praying for our spouse, the Lord can do amazing things. Yeah, he's so faithful. I love that. So just to summarize for that person listening, to pray for them, pray for your spouse, ask God to strengthen your heart as you're dealing with the inconsistency of your spouse. And then in a loving, non-heated, open-hearted way to say, when you do this, it affects me this way. I want to build trust Mm -hmm. and consistency. Do we need to get help? I'll do that because I Mm -hmm. want to fight for us. I just, that's fantastic, you guys. And this is so good. And we didn't even get through the whole list. We could probably pick it up when you come back. But um Wondering, uh, Aaron, if you just pray for that person, I just get the sense someone's listening today, needing to hear that trust component. Would you pray? Mm, yes. The Lord, we come before you, Jesus. And I just lift the listeners up out there, whoever it is, Lord, that's dealing with trust being broken in their marriage. And Jesus, maybe it was even through infidelity. Lord, I pray that you meet that individual right now, right here, and assure them that it's okay right now that trust isn't there, that trust is something that's going to be rebuilt through consistent behavior. And so, Jesus, I just ask that you comfort them and that you send your Holy Spirit upon them to know that you are the miracle worker. You're the great healer. Lord, and just just be with them mm-hmm. in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Wow, I love you both. This was just fantastic conversation. Thanks for the time you put into prep and giving us your time today. Oh, our pleasure. Thanks again yeah. for having us on. We love doing this with you. Love yeah, having that's you. That's for sure. Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, everybody. And if you want to check out their books, they've written like a gajillion. Go on Amazon, <laughs> just search their names and you'll see it. Well, you've been listening to Live the Promise. I'm Susie Larson. In just a bit, you'll find a podcast of today's live show up on our website at myfaithradio.com. Coming up next, we'll talk to my friend Dee Breston about the Song of Songs and the fact that Jesus loves you with a passion you can't even imagine and how that love will heal your soul in the deepest way. So don't go away. Hour two is up next.